you. Lift those hands and thank him. Jalabado Sokote. Mele Boja Kelebo. Go ahead and worship him. Go ahead and give him praise. Go ahead and give him thanks. Giving thanks to the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sins in light. We are partakers of the inheritance that pertains to the sins in the light. Thank you, Lord, that the entrance of your word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. Thank you, Father, that we are strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man. We rejoice tonight that light shines in our mind. Revelation knowledge. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Father, we rejoice that tonight we have this another opportunity to fellowship. Fellowship in the light. We walk in the light and we have no occasion of stumbling. Your word comes with clarity. Your people are built up, equipped, edified and Jesus is glorified. So nobody lives here the same way they came. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Glory! Are we excited to fellowship in the light tonight? Can we go ahead and just celebrate our fellowship together? Whoa! Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self tonight as we get into the world. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service tonight by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. All of our social media community, brothers and sisters online, what a joy to be able to have all of you connected real time in this wonderful feast of God's word. It's New Creation Camp Meeting 2023 and it's a joy to have all of you. Do me the favor, let's get the word around the world. Share the videos, you know, tag some people, drop it in as many groups as possible and make sure you you tweet as I teach and things are opening up to you. Tweet, the tweet, the tweet, um, the hashtag is on the on the screen and for those in the house here i think the hashtag is nccm2023 i think that's the right hashtag nccm2023 just drop tweets let's tweet because i've just been told that our tweeting is is catching fire and a lot of people are following so tweet as much as you can let's get this word around the world like our youtube you know our facebook page subscribe to the youtube channel Abel Damina Ministries International and also make sure you get more people to hook up to the service tonight. We also want to welcome the radio audience in Aquaibom State Connected. Whichever radio station you're hearing, the sound of my voice, call a friend, a loved one, a family member. Let them know that life is flowing through the airwaves. We also want to welcome all the citizens in the various campuses all over the world. What a joy to have all of you in the service tonight as we keep feasting and learning and growing 
there's a lot of work and we will do the work. We will do the work. And this time is preparation time for the work ahead of us come the next 12 months. But it's a joy to have all the citizens in the service tonight. Can I have a powerful amen? Once again, it's good to have Pastor God's power from Abba. What, what a joy to have you from Good Harvest Church. Good to have you here tonight. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. All right, let's get in the word. In Christ Realities, season four. In Christ Realities, season four. And we're looking at part two of season four. We started yesterday on this particular leg of this series. <clears throat> Second Peter chapter three, verse number 15 and 16. Second Peter chapter three, verse number 15 and 16. An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, the Sophia, the insight given unto him, hath written unto you. Next verse. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So Peter acknowledges that Paul has an insight into the subject of salvation. That Paul has a special insight, an understanding that is unique and is quite significant because it is uh, brother Peter that is acknowledging this insight by brother Paul, an apostle of no mean repute. And he says that brother Paul has an explanation of scriptures which is called Sophia, an explanation of scripture. And then you read it in Brother Paul's letters. He kept using the word, the, the word apocalypsis, or the word revelation, or the word phenero. And that's the same thing that Peter was saying here. And he was saying that Brother Paul has this unique insight, or this unique understanding, and people that are not stable, they wrestle with the revelation of Brother Paul unto their own destruction. So yesterday we began to look at a number of narratives, scriptural narratives that are very important because we are reworking our thinking concerning the scriptures. We are reworking our thinking, our thought process. We are reworking our understanding of the scripture, looking at the scriptures through the binoculars of Jesus' didache or his mode of explanation. And we traveled quite some meters yesterday and we said the teachings of Jesus or the hermeneutics of Jesus focused on himself, on himself. We also took time yesterday to deal with a number of things. We said that, that the word of God or the scriptures, Jesus took time to interpret the Old Testament by woven it around his person. That the, the scriptures are woven around the person of Jesus. So Jesus began to rework the Old Testament around himself. He reworks the stories around himself. Now in Matthew chapter 13, he is given the parable of the sower, which has three accounts. There is an account in the book of Luke. There is another account in the book of Mark. But then there is the account in the book of Matthew chapter 13 verse 11, where he drops the keyword, the keyword Matthew 13, 11. Is where he drops the keyword. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. Now don't get confused about the word heaven and God's part in it. 
we will look at somewhere, you know, in the course of this interpretation, because it's critical for you to understand and that there's no need to worry about that word heaven. As we begin to deal, you will come to a clear understanding. That same thing Jesus said, he repeated in Luke chapter 8 verse 10 and in Mark chapter 4 verse 11. He repeated it in Luke chapter 8 verse 10, you can read at home, and in Mark chapter 4 verse number 11. Write this down. The first books of the scriptures are so vital. Write it down. The first books of the scriptures are so vital. And I'm making reference to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible are very vital. That you cannot teach a Bible doctrine. You cannot teach a Bible doctrine. Meaning, nobody taught and established any truth outside these five books. Nobody taught and established any Bible truth outside the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In fact, I have told you in this church that Moses gave us the building blocks of Bible doctrine. So you cannot arrive at Bible doctrine if you don't know Moses or if you ignore the writings of Moses. All the prophets followed the pattern, you know, of these five books. All the prophets, major prophets, minor prophets, they followed the pattern of Moses' books or they followed the pattern of Moses' writings. And so, if he says unto you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And then he uses the word musterion. Musterion, M-U-S-T-E-R-I-O-N. Musterion or the word mystery in English. Musterion means to be disclosed or something that requires explanation. Something that needs to be disclosed or something that requires explanation that's the word musterium now i need your attention now why does he say they are mysteries or who makes them mysteries unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom so the question is why did he say that they need to know mysteries or who made those things mysteries let's find out something very important Brother Paul uses that phrase well enough for you to think he was the one who manufactured that phrase, mysterion or apocalypsis. We see Brother Paul use the word mystery 22 times in the Pauline theology. 22 times he uses the word mystery. He uses the word mysterion 22 times. We will find out why did Jesus say to those group, you know, or to those guys that unto you is given to know. But without, it's not given to them to know. The, the interesting thing about that statement, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. I think I'm going to, I'm not going to be assertive, but I think because I have given it quite some thought in the last few days or weeks. I think again, those are one of the statements Jesus makes about the future. One of the statements Jesus makes about the future. And if they really know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, he wouldn't have called them fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. If they really knew the mysteries like he said they knew in Mark chapter 4, in Matthew chapter 13, then he wouldn't have called them fools and slow of heart to believe. So again, it ha I, I am fully persuaded that is one of those statements that Jesus made that will happen in the future.
Now, if you pay attention very carefully, Jesus, again, when he was talking about the Pauline, or brother Paul, when he was making reference to revelation of mystery, he began to talk about the manifestation of the mystery. The manifestation of the mystery, which was kept since the world began. Now, it appears that even the statement to know the mysteries of the kingdom, the disciples didn't act like they know it. Even that statement, they didn't act like they know it because they didn't know it either. So the question again is, why was it so? Why didn't they really know? Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse number 12. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 12. For whosoever, whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they see him, see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Seeing they see not, hearing they hear not. He didn't say seeing, I have blocked them from seeing. Hearing, I have stopped them from hearing. He said seeing, they see not. Hearing, they hear not. Neither do they understand. So Jesus is explaining why he taught this way. Then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6 verse 9. You can write down for reference. Isaiah 6 verse 9. He quotes it in verse 14 of Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13 verse number 14. Please pay attention. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Which saith, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand. And seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. Next verse. For these people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. So that's unbelief. That's unbelief you just described. That's unbelief. They have closed their eyes. Their hearts are gross. That's unbelief. Unbelief, therefore, is the reason why the Old Testament was taught the way it was taught. Unbelief is the reason why the Old Testament was taught the way it was taught. Please, I beg you, pay attention. Was taught the way it was taught. Now, that doesn't give you much challenge because... The first author to write in the Bible, which is disputable, but I don't join in the dispute, is Moses. And Moses lets us know clearly that the generation he wrote to primarily were stiff-necked people. That the generation that Moses primarily wrote, Genesis to Deuteronomy 2, were a stiff-necked generation. Now, that's the challenge. So, he will have to borrow terms to explain things to them. He will have to borrow terms to explain things to them because of the state of their hearts. 
because of the condition of their minds. Now watch this. What it means is that every other writer of the Old Testament, since they will have to write from Moses, will have to employ the same terms. They will have to employ the same terms, even if sometimes they are clearer. But the point is, because largely that audience were an unbelieving audience. That audience were an unbelieving audience. So the mode of speaking was determined that way. So I and you will have to step away from thinking like an unbelieving crowd. We, you and I, will have to step away from thinking like an unbelieving crowd and then rework that explanation. We will have to rework that explanation in a way that speaks to men of faith. We will have to rework the explanation of Moses and the prophets in a way that it communicates effectively to men of faith. If you are with me to this point, say a good amen. For example, look at that parable again. He says, the reason why I am using parables is because these guys don't believe. These guys are stiff-necked. Look at that parable of the sower. It has four scenarios. Number one, one of them, or number one, one of them didn't understand. One of them didn't understand. Number two, the second one wasn't persuaded. Number three, the third one followed riches and money. Then number four, the fourth person believed. And he said this parable is the key to all parables. This particular parable is the key to all parables. If you don't understand this parable, you will never understand any other parable. Meaning, you won't understand anything Jesus taught in the four gospels if you miss this particular parable. One didn't understand. The second one wasn't persuaded. The third one had riches in his mind. The fourth one had faith. That's the audience of the Old Testament. That's the audience of the Old Testament. Of course, you know, the the fellow who had faith will now be those people who stood out in the Old Testament who believed concerning the kingdom of God. And an account of those people who stood out in the Old Testament who believed the account of God's word, some of them are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. That faith generation had a chronicle in Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders, the elders obtain good report by faith, Abel, by faith. Now, when he talked about four soils, don't forget the first soil didn't understand. The second soil, we are not persuaded. The third soil followed riches and money. The last soil believed. So in the midst of three, one believed in the Old Testament. So that is why the mode of communication with those people. So that means therefore that in the Old Testament we have those who didn't understand the communications of Moses. In the Old Testament we have those who were, who were not persuaded or who were persuaded to a point but not fully persuaded so they fell by the wayside and then that will happen in the old testament then we have those who lost it for riches and they were not persuaded they believed, but somehow didn't make much of it because 
of the deceitfulness of riches. So, he now weaves around himself. Even what happened in the Old Testament. Jesus weaves it around himself. So, in Matthew chapter 19, they came to Jesus asking him, Should we follow Moses? (laughs) What a temptation. They came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 asking him, Should we follow Moses? Moses said in the law, divorce your wife. Should we follow Moses? Matthew chapter 19 verse 3. Put it up for me. Matthew chapter 19 verse number 3. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Look at verse 4. Verse 4 of Matthew chapter 19. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read Anaginosko? Have you not read that he which met them in Genesis made them male and female at the beginning? In Genesis made them male and female. Next verse. And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Next verse. Wherefore, they are no more one, one, they are no more twin but one flesh. What therefore God had joined together, let no man put asunder. This is again written by the same Moses whom they quoted. Then they asked him, why then, why then did Moses in the first five books of the Bible, why did he permit us to divorce our wife? Look at it, verse 7 of that Matthew chapter 19. I beg you pay attention. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give the right, a writing of divorcement and to put her away? Now, look at me, everybody. Remember what Jesus said to them. Jesus said to them, Jesus said to them, it was not so in the beginning. Okay? Have you not read? Have you not read? They say, Moses said, put away your wife. Then Jesus said to him, how are you reading? Why will you read Deuteronomy before you read Genesis? In Bible reading, you start from Genesis. Have you not read that in Genesis, this was the plan? Why are you quoting Moses as if that was the original plan? There was an original plan and years after, before Moses introduced this. Have you not read? Pay attention to Jesus' you know, mode of explanation. Alright, now, watch this. Verse 7 and 8 of that, of that Matthew chapter 19. They sought him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? If God's plan from the beginning is that they should not be separate. If that was God's plan, then why will Moses say, put away, and God didn't contradict Moses? Why will God allow Moses' authority stand against his own authority? What they were asking Jesus is, what gave Moses the audacity to contradict God's position and it is sustained? Then Jesus said to them, hey guys, have you not read that from the beginning it was not the plan? Have you not read? Then they said, so why then did Moses give, you know, give, give that command that a certificate of divorcement should be given to a wife? Now look at verse 8 and pay attention. Verse 8. He saith unto them, Moses, this is Jesus' didache. Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. Because, 
because of the hardness of your hearts. Jesus is not questioning Moses. He is explaining Moses' use of language. He's not questioning Moses. Look at it. That, that Matthew 19 verse 8. Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, from Genesis, it was not so. So Jesus identifies Moses' language and why Moses used the language. He identifies Moses' language and why Moses used the language. He says, for the hardness of their hearts, sclerocardia in the Greek, sclerocardia, okay, S-K-L-E-R-O-K-A-R-D-I-A, sclerocardia. It means the heart is difficult. And it's interesting that in Mark chapter 16 verse 14, that same illustration or adjective was used for, by Jesus in describing his disciples. Look at it. Put it up for me. That Mark, Mark chapter 16 verse 14. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. And he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So they had unbelief and they had a hardness of heart. Unbelief. So Jesus rebuked them. Now never forget that Moses is responsible for the first five books. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, are Moses' teaching notes. They are Moses' explanation of God's plan. They are Moses' explanation of the gospel to a people whose hearts were hardened. The first five books were Moses' explanation of God's plan and Moses' explanation of the gospel to a people whose hearts were hardened. I've told you before that Genesis is God's promise communicated by Moses to the audience of his day of the promise of God's exodus. The promise of God's exodus. And I will get to that in a few minutes. Just pay attention. So Jesus is doing a key didache for us here. A fundamental didache for us here. Because whatever Jesus was explaining here in Matthew chapter 19 follows explanations as to why it seems like Moses gave a certain explanation that Jesus reworked and that the apostles followed the detache of Jesus in reworking within the epistles. Now, in other words, you must handle Moses' letters not like an unbelieving Jew, but a believing man. You must handle Moses' letters not like an unbelieving Jew, but a believing man. And so watch that. You must also rework Moses around Christ. You must rework Moses around Christ. That's very, very important. Because he just did that for you. So Moses, therefore, will have a vocabulary for the stiff-necked. He will have a vocabulary for the stiff-necked. And a vocabulary for the unbeliever. 
So the believing man simply reworks. He reworks the vocabulary of Moses. He reworks that explanation to the faith of Christ. He reworks the vocabulary and he reworks the explanation to the faith of Christ. He has to do that or else he will read the Bible like the ignorant. He will have to do that reworking so that he doesn't read the Bible like the ignorant. Look at Matthew chapter 13 verse 34. Matthew chapter 13 verse number 34. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. Next verse. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying... I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Turn to Psalm 78 verse number 2. Psalms chapter 78 verse number 2. Psalms 78 verse 2. I will open my mouth in a parable. And I will utter dark sayings of old. The word parable is the word parabolo or parabole. Parabolo or parabole. I have explained that in this series before. If you've been paying attention. It means two things. It is to place by the side. To place by the side or to cross over. That's the meaning of a parable. To place something by the side or to cross over. That's the meaning of a parable. I need your attention here. He is saying here that Jesus said, I use parables because of their unbelief. I use parables because of their unbelief. Now he says, Moses, because of your unbelief. Matthew is saying, This is why Moses taught the way he taught. Moses taught the way he taught because of your unbelief. And Jesus himself said, I am using parable because of unbelief. Matthew is explaining that. Psalm 78 verse 2, he now says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will open my mouth in parables. A parable means to cross over. Like I want to teach physics. Then I use an example in biology. I want to teach physics. Then I use an example in biology. You will not be wise if you now learn a lot of biology from me and not know physics at all. Because what I am teaching is not biology. What I'm teaching is physics. I'm only using an example from biology. So that means in much of what Jesus did, he crossed over. He crossed over. You must therefore look closely to what he used in similar fashion. You must look closely in what Jesus used in similar fashion. You can easily get lost in the items of the parables. (laughs) You can easily get lost in the items of the parables and not know the explanation of it. You know, the items of a parable will be like the rich man and Lazarus. 
the items of a parable will be like the, the supper. The supper. Those are items. Those are not the teaching. Those are items. Those are not the teaching. Now, you just drive into the Old Testament and see how much of such parables will exist. That the moment you stay with the items of the parable and not the explanation of the parable, where did he cross from to this place? For example, Jesus crossed from forgiveness of sins to the use of sheep. He crossed from reconciliation that God does to us to a man with his two children. There was a crossover. The moment you, st- you stay with the items and not when he crossed from, then you are not different from the Jews. Now, imagine the first writer of the Old Testament writing the way Moses was writing. <laughs> you can see why he used the word tree. He used the word serpent. He used the word fruits. Are you in the building? You can see why Moses had to use three. There was no other way he could have said it. He had to use serpent. He has to use fruit. It's an explanation that didn't require a symbol. But he had to use a symbol because of the audience. I will be a waste of my time if I had walked in here this evening and I began to say to you, Yeso almasihu ya aikeni nzo ungaya mukuchewa. Eh? Hello? Did you understand what I just said? Only a few of you may know what I just said. But I will have wasted my time this evening because I didn't come for a few of you. Are we teaching here? But, but, but if I come in and I say, Glory to God, somebody shout hallelujah. I will not be wasting my time. Moses would not teach in a form, in a fashion that his audience would not understand. Anyhow he has to downplay, anyhow he has to bring down, whatever he has to do to get to the level of his audience will, will be how he will communicate the truth available. So Moses taught the way he taught using symbols like tree using symbols like serpent, using symbols like fruit, because of the audience. Why wouldn't he use three? For life and death. Why wouldn't he write that? Because when he offered them the gospel, there were those phrases he used. Life and death, same thing. He used the same thing when they were beaten by snakes. He brought up a serpent and used the serpent in the garden of Eden. He used a garden to express a place to them. Even though that's just a parable. He used waters to explain men. They understood it. The audience, his immediate audience understood what he was saying. By the time he gets to Moses' later, he says, as the waters cover the sea. So when he talks about the waters and the earth, he said, God said, God said, when he was talking about the waters and the earth, now him saying God said, 
that's the gospel in the nations. That's the gospel in the nations. When he was talking about water and he was talking about the earth. But again, that's not your language. That's not your language. But that's their language. And they understood that language because they were a people in unbelief. They understood Moses' communication because they were a people in unbelief. And you can get lost very quickly if you don't rework those things around Christ. You can get lost. (laughs) You must rework them around Christ. Because Christ has brought light. Psalm 78 verse 2. He also used the word parables. The word parables there is the word parabole. Is the Greek word parabole or to cross over. But in the Hebrew is the word mashal. Mashal. From another word masel. They, you know, they both mean to represent. Mashal. Masel. It means to represent. To represent. Well, it's easy for me to quickly help your mind so I can paint a few pictures. What does it mean to represent? To represent. Okay? I could walk into the service and say, Dr. Gabriel, I'm so busy. I'm supposed to address Pastor Silas and his group. But I am very busy. Go and represent me. When you go, say one, two, three, four, five. So Dr. Gabriel goes to Pastor Silas and his group and he begins to represent me. Now, Dr. Gabriel addressing the group of Pastor Silas is not Abel Damina. But he is standing in my place. But he's not me. His appearance is not me. His voice is not me. His mode of communication is not me. Even his body language is not me. But he is representing me. So a representative is not the exact person. (laughs) So you are going to see representations because the word mashal and the word marcel means to represent I want to represent it this way the prophet said from the foundation of the world so you are going to see representations right from Genesis chapter 1 remember in this series don't forget We are going to be examining brother Paul's Israel. Okay? Keep that somewhere. (laughs) Representations. The moment you stay with the items and lose what was being represented, there cannot be faith. In a parable, if you stay with the items and you lose what the items were representing, there cannot be faith. Mashal. Psalm 78 verse 2. He calls it dark sayings. The word chida. Dark sayings. In the book of Hebrews, chida will be found. I mean in the Hebrew language, 
Cheetah will be found in Numbers 12.8. Cheetah, dark sayings. Numbers 12.8 and Georges 14.12 and Georges 14.13-15. Georges 14, I mean 13, 14, 15. It means questions. The word chida in the Hebrew means questions. I will utter questions. Dark sayings. Questions will mean they will require answers. I will speak questions that will require answers. So, questions will mean they require answers. Two things now to take note of. Number one, there are representations and number two, there are questions. There are representations and number two, there are questions. So let me ask you. When he says dark sayings, where is the darkness in the words spoken or in the hearts? In the hearts. So the darkness is in the hearts. In the heart of the receiver. So the darkness is in the hearts of men. So when we go to Moses, this is just what the dark heart can grasp. The way Moses wrote is the way the dark heart can grasp what he was saying. Have you observed that it's more difficult to explain visions? It's easier to teach the word of God than to explain visions. Look at Peter. Peter had a vision and even inside the vision, he was doubting the vision. <laughs> Rise up, kill and eat. I cannot eat it. It's unclean. Inside the vision, he doubted the vision. Look at Matthew chapter 17. They saw Jesus, Moses, and Elijah and didn't know what was going on. Instead, Peter was saying, build three tabernacles. That's why I pity those who try to explain vision. Because the nature of visions will require so much. Because it is similar to crossing over to the other side. But the same Peter now, upon an explanation of Christ, not an appearance, not anything about Moses and Elijah, he was able to explain what happened in Matthew 17. Without any complications. The same Peter. Sometimes, what will take you to explain by the word in 30 minutes may take you 30 years to explain in a vision. Visions can be that complicated. Look at the number of theories we have woven around the book of Revelation. Too many theories. John's most difficult books are the visions. Those are the most difficult books of John. First John, second John, third John. You will see, you know, why you will ask yourself after you read those three, uh, three books, first, second, and third John, why did he have to write the book of Revelation? Because the epistles are okay. <laughs> it's easier to know what the Lamb was in his later. Behold the Lamb of God. Then he added that taketh away the sins of the world. So it's easier to know what the Lamb is. It's easier to know what the life was. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. It's easier to know that. 
It's easier to know what overcoming is in the letters of John. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So the moment you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you have overcome the world. So now when he says in Revelation, to him that overcometh, he's talking about the believer. It's so easy. It's easier to know that. Then you get to visions and you say, overcome. Three of life. Lion. You just wonder what is this? Yeah? <laughs> so visions are just like that. Look at how Moses in the vision he saw had to take days to build a tabernacle. He took days to build a tabernacle and he was explaining the use and explaining the use and explaining the use. And the writer of Hebrews explained everything about tabernacle of Moses in two chapters. Which was not necessary. If he was talking to Jews. He would have just said, look at what happened. Christ is God. And he lives in you. So you are the temple of God. Let's move on. But Moses couldn't have said that because they wouldn't know what he's saying. So now he had to take time gather building material, gather building material, gather workers, pay them, and start constructing, which took time. Which a statement in revelation knowledge. Less is more. I'm teaching good tonight. If you're getting blessed, shout a big hallelujah. So Moses, holiest of all, it has this, it has that, there is purple, there is beja color, chida, dark scenes, questions, and then answers. So the darkness was all that was available. That's all that was available, darkness. So how much could darkness grab hold of? How much could darkness comprehend? Now it means that if Christ explains everything, we cannot exclude God himself. That would mean that Christ explained God. So that means that when he told them in Luke 24, 45, put it up, Luke chapter 24, verse number 45, Luke 24, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That they might understand the scriptures. Look at verse 46. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Then he uses a keyword. He said, and that repentance, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. And that repentance, a change of mind. A reworking of their thinking. And that once their understanding opened and they knew the scriptures, he now said unto them that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. That is, there has to be a change of mind in the preaching of the gospel. We are reworking people's thinking. A reworking of their thinking. He's not talking about repentance as a good citizen. There are things required. No. He's saying rethink. Rethink your thinking in the scriptures. Rethink your thinking in the scriptures. Rethink your thinking in the scriptures. Or 
He is saying, Jesus reworks the understanding of the scriptures. Jesus reworks the understanding of the scriptures. Look at Romans 16.26. Romans chapter 16 verse number 26. Romans. But now it's made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandments of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of the faith. But now it's made manifest. Paul talks about the revelation of the mystery. That revelation is now made manifest. Look at the previous verse. The pretext. Verse 25. Now to him that is power to establish you according to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery. The apocalypsis of the musterion. Which was kept cigarro since the world began. So Paul talks about the revelation of that musterion. Or the revelation of the mystery. The apocalypsis. Then in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 3 to 5, he talks about the revelation given to him. Ephesians 3, 3 to 5. Then in Colossians chapter 1 verse 27, he still maintained that thought line. Then in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 to 12, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 to 12, he still maintains that thought. What it simply means is that the Old Testament must be read in this way. The Old Testament must be seen as mystery and the epistles as the revelation of the mystery. A, a reworking of the narrative, a reworking of the items, and a reworking of the thought pattern woven around the person of Jesus Christ. Let's look at some things you probably may not have noticed. Number one, Esau is used by the writer of Hebrews to refer to the works of the flesh. Esau is used by the writer of Hebrews to refer to the works of the flesh. It is a story, no doubt. But the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12, 15 begins to talk about it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Next verse. Let there be no, let there be any, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. Profane person as Esau, who for one mosel of meat sold his birthright. That is, don't let this be found in you as it is found in Esau. So he calls Esau profane. Profane means valueless. Now John talks about Cain. He says, not as Cain who was of the wicked one. In other words, they say to us, the flesh, Cain and Esau. When you see Cain, Cain represents the flesh. So Cain is a parable. Esau is a parable. When you see Esau, he also represents the flesh. Though they are persons in history. There was an Esau. There was a Cain. They are persons in history. But they are used to represent a communication. In Moses' verbiage. Because of the darkness in his audience. 
But Moses wrote them as a parable. That is to bring alongside to explain the work of the flesh. Just like Jesus did. So when Jesus says, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Jesus began from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And reworks their thinking. He reworks their thinking. So what they thought was merely historical. Jesus brings it to life. What they thought was simply historical. Jesus brings it to life. Why were they enlightened? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. If he didn't want. Or if he didn't want what they were going to simply. You know. If he didn't want them to simply have a historical, debatable, controversial story. Because that's what it will be to an onlooker. That the story is simply historical, controversial, debatable. But that's not, that was not the intent. So the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is now what shed light. On all the stories, the items, and the narratives of the Old Testament. Yesterday we said that our gospel is the resurrection, right? And that the resurrection explains the Old Testament. Did we say that last time? I'm not hearing your voices. Can I hear it better? If you're understanding, can I hear louder? So he will use personalities as parables. Yeah. He will use personalities as parables. He will use events as parables. And so he ceases to look at the Old Testament like a storybook. He now has a story reworked around a person. He's no more looking at the Old Testament as a storybook. He now has a story that is reworked around a person. In Luke 24, 44, look at what he said in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. <clears throat> And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Which I said while I was yet with you. What does that mean? Now pay attention here. It means what I said in the resurrection or what I said pre the resurrection. They were the same. What I said in the resurrection, what I said pre-resurrection, were the same. In fact, what I said in the resurrection, what I said post-resurrection, what I said pre-resurrection, they were the same. There was no difference. So, if the focus was himself post-resurrection, that was the idea that pre-resurrection the focus was also himself. Are we teaching? If the focus was himself post-resurrection, then the focus was also himself pre-resurrection. So, we will rework Esau around Christ. We will rework Cain around Christ. Just like they all did in the epistles. In John 14, 26, put it up. John chapter 14, verse 26. <clears throat> But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. 
and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He will simply walk everything around Christ. He is not saying everything in the Old Testament is Christ. But all the events, he weaves them. He reworks them around Christ. That's the repentance that Peter and the apostles kept saying in the book of Acts. Repent, repent, repent. He was talking about a reworking of their thinking. Repent, rework your thinking. Change the way you view the Old Testament. Because until that happens, there can't be faith. Change the way you look at the Old Testament. Until that happens, there can be faith. The lack of that happening is unbelief. Change the way you think. That is repentance. So, if they need this repentance, you and I will probably need this repentance. Okay? Because it was very direct for the Jew because the Jew had the Old Testament books. Now, we also do today, and many of us are not thinking differently than they would have thought. Many. And they were told repent. So there's a lot of repenting going on, right? Hello? There's a lot of what? Repenting going on. So Christ therefore becomes the repentance to us. Our repentance is in the light of Christ. So we now rework the stories. We rework the narratives. Please take note of that. We rework the stories. We rework the narratives. We rework the accounts. We rework the stories. We rework the narratives. We rework the accounts all around the person of Christ. John says of him in John chapter 1 verse 3, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything that was made. Next verse. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Next verse. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. Next verse. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He is talking Genesis. John is talking Genesis. <laughs> Hello. John chapter 1, John is discussing Genesis. How do we know that John is discussing Genesis? How did he begin the discourse? In the beginning, in Genesis, was the Logos. In Genesis was the Logos. And the Logos was with God. And the Logos was God. In Genesis. In Genesis, he was light. In Genesis, he was the light that shines in darkness. In Genesis, he was the light that darkness could not comprehend. Oh yes. The earth was without form void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. So John is discussing the Genesis account. So John chapter 1, verse 2, 3, 4, 5 is Genesis. Then verse 14, he now says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Two books of the Bible. 
Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1 to 14 is a combination of, I mean John chapter 1 from verse 1 to 14 is a combination of Genesis and Exodus. John chapter 1 from verse 1 to 14 is a combination of Genesis and Exodus. Two books of the Bible. In Genesis, he is, he is God who walked with them. In Exodus, build me a house. Build me a tabernacle where he will be. What he means is, the tabernacle will be a parable or a figure of speech. <laughs> the tabernacle that Moses was building was supposed to be a parable or a figure of speech. Because the tabernacle represented heaven and earth in one place. And John chapter 1 verse 14 said, that was Christ. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. God became a man and lived in the tabernacle. God came to us, became us, and lived in us. Heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. God became a man, came to us, lived in us. Heaven and earth in one place. God is in the heaven, man on earth. The tabernacle is the coming together of God and man. Heaven and earth in one place. Teaching God. And that's figurative. It's a crossover. To use a physical house. To use a physical emblem. To represent a spiritual reality. To use a physical house, to use a physical emblem to represent spiritual reality. And that spiritual is God in a man, which is Christ. And John said, we saw his glory. We beheld his glory. We saw his glory. As the only begotten of the Father. Fool. When we looked well, when we are looking at the glory, in a person, when we saw the glory manifest in human form, when we saw the glory walking, when we saw the glory talking among us, we looked very well. And when we looked, what we saw inside that glory was grace and truth. We saw that the glory was full of grace. We saw that the glory was full of grace and that grace is the truth. So when we looked into him, we saw the truth in a person. We saw the glory in his person. And of course, now of his fullness, have we all received grace and for grace, God in a man. God in a man. I say God in a man. I say God in a man. Moses said, I want to see the glory. I want to see the glory. God said to Moses, you have to wait. Moses, wait, wait, wait. John said, we saw the glory. God said, Moses, wait. But John said, we saw the glory. We beheld the glory. Halemonaga, full of grace and truth. Yeah, 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 yeah. We saw it. 
Imagine, Moses built the tabernacle. After years of building the tabernacle, all he could see was a pillar of fire and cloud. Ulamanagada. <laughs> All he could see was pillar of fire and cloud. After seeing the fire and the cloud, he said, Lord, show me your glory. This one is fire. <laughs> this is not what I'm looking for. <laughs> this is a representation. This is not the real thing. I want to see your glory. God said, you have to wait. Then John said, we saw it. We beheld his glory. Oh, hallelujah. And I have news for you today. That glory is you are not only seeing it. You are the carrier of that glory. Christ in you. I'm not hearing some Holy Ghost voices in this house. Christ in you. God in a man. Heaven on earth. The tabernacle of God is with men. Zatota. The tabernacle of God. The guarded the divinity has inhabited humanity. Humanity has been amalgamated with divinity. God lives in a man. I'm teaching good tonight. We have to rework our thinking and rework the teaching ministry of Moses. And we have to weave it around the person of the Christ. If you're learning, shout a big amen. So Moses knew that that tabernacle, nothing was inside. He knew that that tabernacle was a parable he was using to communicate to them. And that's how he wrote everything he wrote. So we must rework all of that around Christ. The Bible must be reworked around the person of Jesus. Look at John 5.39. Jesus now speaking to the Jews. And he said unto the Jews, you search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. But they are they which testify of me. Then he throws in a catchy phrase. Verse 40. But you will not come to me. You will not come to me. That you might have life. The scriptures don't give you life. The scriptures testify of me. And in that testimony they point you to me. When you meet me. You meet life. Did, did you get what I just said? When you meet me, you meet life. Now look at verse 45 now. He now went on in verse 45. Put it up for me. John chapter 5, 45. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. Now there has been a careless use of that verse as if Moses wrote trash. No. Jesus wasn't in any way disclaiming Moses. In any way. He was not disclaiming Moses and he was not discrediting Moses. Jesus wasn't in any way. Jesus just said, you guys have rejected me. You won't come to me. They are not coming to him is what? Unbelief. So he now says, I won't accuse you. Moses has already done that. Him you trust. Him you elpizo. Then he now said, had you believed? Look at verse 46. John 5, 46. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. 
Your problem with Moses was unbelief. You didn't believe him. If you had believed him, you would have believed me because you would have known that I am the reason for the scriptures. He wrote of me. Genesis is about me. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. He wrote of me. I'm the Logos. I am the reason. That is Moses' accusation. That's the category because they didn't believe. Had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. Look at verse 46 and 47. Had you believed Moses, you would have believed me for he wrote of me. Verse 47. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Because my writing and his words are in tandem. There's consistency of thought. So Moses wrote faith. Then he wrote things according to the hardness of their heart. There are two things. He wrote faith. When they rejected faith, he now wrote things according to the hardness of their heart. Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, faith, it was not so. So there is faith and there is a hardness of their hearts. That represents the way the Old Testament is written. Are you following? So Moses wrote faith. He said, I'm not accusing you. Moses has done that already. How? Look at the laws he gave you. He has already done that. And you have an elpizo. You trust him. You trust Moses. But if you have really believed Moses, you will have believed me. So Moses' accusation was that these folks did not believe Christ. That was the accusation. So it's not out of place. Jesus said because of the unbelief. So Moses wrote faith and Moses' you know, accusation was about them not believing Christ. So can we therefore say that Moses wrote a lot in the language for unbelievers? Huh? Okay, good. Can we agree on the fact that the writings of Moses was the language of unbelievers that was used? Okay, so we will have to cross back from where he crossed to. We have to cross back from where he crossed to. Because if we stay to where he crossed to, we will have to wait for a long time to know what he was crossing from. Did you get that? We will have to stay for a long time to know where he was crossing from. So we have to cross to. To understand where he was crossing from. Did you get that? <clears throat> And then a whole number of things will happen to us. So here is Paul. <laughs> Second Peter 3 15. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Are you enjoying the class? An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the Sophia, the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. 
which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Peter says Paul has an insight. That insight can be any other thing but insight given to him by the spirit of God to rework the thinking of the people on how they read the Old Testament. Peter acknowledged that this was an assignment given to brother Paul. So therefore, we follow brother Paul's cure. Now I have seen people, they leave things out. They leave things out. But you see, the polite theology is a direct didache. Paul is very direct. Where he is silent, he is not silent out of ignorance. It is silence out of the same explanation. Anywhere Paul is silent. He is not silent out of ignorance. His silence is still part of the explanation. So if he does that in his letters, it means we look at the Old Testament together and we say, why did he say this? Why did he say that? Look at the first Peter. Where Peter stands up and is talking to Jewish people. This brother Peter. Then he says to them, you know, the first time Peter preached in Peter's first sermon in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.16. He hooked on the word of the Lord. Acts 2.16. This is that which was spoken by prophet Joel. Shall come to pass in the last days I pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams. He was quoting from Joel. He was talking about the Yahweh who is the curious in the Greek. Then he now begins to take them through the Old Testament seeking for that Yahweh. In that Acts chapter 2, remember Peter was addressing Jewish people. So he had to rework the writings of Moses. And weave them around the person of Christ. He says, look, that Yahweh will die. Because you can't say the Yahweh of Moses is different from the Yahweh of David or from the Yahweh of Joel. And Peter could say this because now a prophecy given by Joel has just been fulfilled. In case you didn't know, he said, Joel's Yahweh is David's Yahweh. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand. David was a king, but David recognized another Lord. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. He will not allow your Holy One see corruption. Thou hast shown me the part of life. He said, if it was about David, knowing he was a prophet, then Peter said he spoke about the Messiah. That's the message of Peter on the day of Pentecost. The Messiah is Yahweh. And he says, this Jesus whom you crucified. See what he just did. He used a fulfillment of what they all saw from Joel to bring out the character that was spoken of. It's the same person spoken of by David. He is the one who died because David speaks of the resurrection from the dead. Because you cannot speak resurrection without death. 
So everybody, my, everybody's mind in that audience goes back to the man they killed about 50 days ago. They thought he was a criminal. But now with the events of Pentecost, Peter now begins to rework the Old Testament around the person of Jesus. And suddenly, they saw that that guy that was killed 50 days ago was not a criminal. That is David's law. That is the Yahweh of Moses. That is the Yahweh of Joel. He says, he has now shed for this, which you now see and hear. Because God made that same Lord and Christ. Because that is David's prophecy. If you are a Jew, the moment he said these things, all the light comes up. Then they had to scream, what shall we do? Brethren, men and brethren, what shall we do? Because now, the didache, the mode of explanation, has brought the facts together. Christ has come alive in their thinking. I'm teaching good tonight. The God you taught of in the Old Testament might not be God at all. Peter is telling them. Because their thinking of who God should be does not agree with this one. A deacon, something is happening to my sound. It's going off and on. Quickly, come and sort it out. There's an unholy noise. Quickly, quickly, I need it fixed. The God you thought of in the Old Testament might not be God at all. Then he now says, be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then you shall receive that gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because Joel had already told them, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts chapter 2 verse 21. Put it up. Acts chapter 2 verse number 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So their repentance was what? He reworked their thinking to Christ. He took them from the events to the person. In Acts 3, 19 to 21, he talks about the time of the restitution of all things. The presence of God. He said, he has sent Jesus to you. And all of these is for repentance. In Acts 5, 31, put it up. Acts chapter 5, verse number 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel. To give repentance to who? A change of mind and as a result of that change of mind they will receive what? The forgiveness of sins. Now means Israel had to change their mind to Jesus who is God's repentance for us. That's what Philip did with the eunuch. That's what Philip did with the eunuch. Of whom speak this man? Of himself? Or of some other person? Of whom speaks this man? And then, Philip began at the same scripture. And preached Christ. Which means it's very possible that the average Jew thought the prophet was talking about some other man. Why? Because of their unbelief. Whereas Isaiah had already said, all we like sheep 
have gone astray. He didn't say all ye like sheep. He said all we. So if all we as sheep has gone astray, including the prophet, why will the prophet be speaking of himself? You didn't get that? Why will the prophet be speaking of himself? He must be speaking of some other man. <laughs> the mind of the Jew was tyrannical. He couldn't fathom a suffering Messiah. A Jewish man knows that a Messiah, a conqueror, a conqueror cannot be the one suffering. So now, there, there has to be a reworking, a repentance on what the power of God is. He had to explain to the Jew that the power of God is not destruction. The power of God is unto salvation. That's a reworking. A reworking of the narratives. He had to rework the power. He had to rework the glory. He had to rework the might. The power, the glory, and the might. They couldn't understand who is poor in spirit. Who is gentle. Who is meek. He cannot be the savior in the mind of the Jew. But with a reworking of the narratives, the savior is the meek. The savior is the poor in spirit. He reworked their thinking from that mighty God who rules in tyranny. That God whom if you touch by mistake, you die by correction. He had to rework their thinking from a tyrannical God to the one who rules in suffering. To a God who rules in suffering and to a God who rules in service. That is repentance. That this Messiah will rule in suffering and he will rule in service. You can expect a Jew to submit to that his Christ died. You can't expect. A Jew cannot submit that his Savior died. So that's the job they had to do. To preach repentance which is a change of thinking. Now let's go to Paul quickly. So in studying the Jewish scriptures, please listen to this before we go to Paul. I have to first of all be a Jew, then be a Christian to understand the way they think. How will a Jewish man think? Here is Jesus as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Jesus is talking to Jewish people. So shall the son of man be lifted up. What else do you say to people who were murmuring, who grumbled about Egypt? That's why the scripture says, even though they left Egypt physically, Egypt was in their heart. So Egypt, therefore, is not going to be a place. Egypt is going to be a representation. So we have to rework the narratives. Egypt is not a place. Egypt is a representation. So that's how it's worked out. Stories? No. Representations. Acts 26, 16. Acts chapter 26, verse number 16. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of these things in the which I will appear unto thee. Pay attention. Next verse. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. Next verse. To open their eyes. To open their eyes. 
to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That is Paul. Open their eyes with the scriptures. To open their eyes with the scriptures. To turn them from darkness to light. To turn them from Satan in the scriptures. To turn them from Satan in the scriptures. Because Satan is veiled. So, you turn them from Satan in the scriptures to the power of God. So this is a reworking. And the key to this reworking is in the incarnation. As soon as Jesus was raised from the dead, he had every right to the messianic prophecies. The moment Jesus rose from the dead, he had every right to the messianic prophecies. So when Paul says, this is my gospel, Romans chapter 1 verse 1 to 4, put it up for me, Romans chapter 1 verse 1 to 4. Are you enjoying this? Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures, concerning, the gospel is concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Next verse. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Then look at, marked him out. This marking will be the light of the Old Testament. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I mean 15 verse 3 and 4, look at what Paul will say concerning the scriptures. Have I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Verse 14 and verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 14 and verse 17. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, I love the word raised. If your Bible is mine, you will circle the word raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. That word raised, he used here, is a perfect tense. Something that is still happening. So he's saying to us that the living Christ is the gospel. The living Christ is the gospel. The resurrection opens us up. A lot. In John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, talking about the resurrection, that whosoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 12, 31 and 32, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Resurrection. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 to 21. Resurrection. John chapter 3 verse 20 to 21 As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Resurrection. 
John chapter 14 verse 16 to 18. Put it up for me. John chapter 14 verse 16 to 18. And I will pray the Father and it shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Next verse. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him. But you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Next verse. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. This clarifies the Old Testament for us. First Timothy 2.8 Put it up. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 8 Will therefore that every man everywhere that men, every, men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands. Lifting up holy hands. So Jesus is raised and he's no more dead. He's raised. He's alive. Raised means he's alive. So when you read the Old Testament and you hear Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament and you hear, as long as I live, saith the Lord, he's pointing to resurrection. As long as I live, saith the Lord, he's talking about resurrection. Because that's the life of the Messiah, which is the eternal life of man. The life of the Messiah is the eternal life of man. So Paul, therefore, because becomes such an expert. Peter says, Paul becomes an expert. Paul has a Sophia, which Paul talks to Timothy about. And that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise. The word Sophizo, which are able to make you skillful, wise. I don't have that skill. I, me, your pastor, I don't have that skill. I don't have that skill. My job is to find out what they did and explain to you. We are secondary revelators. They are the primary ones. We reveal, we explain what they have revealed. Somebody shout, I hear you. They have reworked the Bible for us. And Peter now warns. Some of them, he said, are hard to be understood. That is, you have to think deeply. Prosnestos. Hard to be. You have to think deeply. Prosnestos in the Greek. Peter never said they couldn't be understood. He said, when you study Paul, you see light. So if Peter says it is hard to be understood, it's not an indictment on Peter. It's the kind of insight that Paul was given. Then he said, there are some guys who are unstable. He calls them ignorant. He uses the word amatis. They are not disciples. <laughs> the people that misunderstand my teaching are not disciples. <laughs> they are not my disciples. They are just accidental customers. They bounce on my teaching by mistake. And they are not patient to listen. So when they land, anything they find, they misinterpret and they walk away. Yeah. They are not disciples. That's what Paul was talking about. That's what Peter was talking about. He said there are people that are unstable. And they wrestle. They wrestle. The word unstable means they are not my disciple. My disciple is stable. 
My disciple follows me bumper to bumper. And my disciple listens to everything I say first before arriving at a conclusion. But the unstable are not disciples. So he calls them unstable. The word ignorant is the direct opposite of matthes. Unstable. They are not established. So Peter suggests you must be established in the Pauline letters. It's like many people don't know the importance of brother Paul. Dr. Damina, why you always say brother Paul, brother Paul, brother Paul? Should I say brother Akman? <laughs> it's brother Paul that was entrusted with the revelation of the New Testament, which is the apocalypse of the Mysterion. So now they will ignore brother Paul and go to the Old Testament and look for a new narrative. They are unstable. You have to stay. Paul didn't interpret scriptures. He was given a wisdom. According to the wisdom given to him. Are you not reading? He was given a wisdom. What the spirit of God does to you, listen carefully, is to let you see what Paul said. <laughs> let me leave there quickly. <laughs> what the spirit of God does to you, is to let you see what Paul said. Paul said unstable. I mean Peter. So Paul therefore will have to rework the terms for us. And in this series we want to rework a particular phrase. And we will identify nine markers Paul used. So we have not even started the series. You will see Jesus use the same thing to rework the phrase. Look at Romans chapter 10 verse 1 as a round off. Are you blessed tonight? Romans chapter 10 verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. The word Israel is not there in the original. But when you read from chapter 9, you will know he's talking about Israel. So that's why they implied Israel. Look at Romans chapter 9 verse 3. Romans chapter 9 verse number 3. For I could wish that myself were a cause for Christ. For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Underline according, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Take note of that statement. And Paul used that statement there deliberately. It's a phrase. It's a word, sugenius in the Greek. S-U-G-E-N-U-E-S. S-U-G-E-N-U-E-S. Kinsmen. You will find out what kinsmen use in other places for those we have we have physical access to. Mark six four, Mark chapter six verse verse four. So you can read at home. Luke chapter one verse thirty six and fifty eight. Luke chapter two verse forty four. Luke chapter fourteen verse twelve. Luke chapter 21 verse 16. John 18 26. Acts 10 24. Romans 16 7 11 21. Romans 16 verse 7 verse 11 verse 21. So Paul had kinsmen. He said he wished he was accursed for their sake. Why would Paul say that? Paul's Israel. And you see how he reworked many things 
for us in our study. Look at Romans chapter 9 verse 4. Romans chapter 9 verse 4 and 5. Who are the Israelites or who are Israelites to whom pertained the adoption and the glory and the covenant and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promise. Next verse. Whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came who is over all God bless forever. Amen. Concerning the flesh Christ came. Did you see that there? Concerning the flesh Christ came. Notice that one too. Concerning the flesh. There are a number of things I'm asking you to note. Okay? The scripture is a major reason why Paul was stoned. This particular scripture that we just read is a major reason why they stoned brother Paul. So he will let us see the significance of what I said. How stories are a representation. So let's close with Jesus' hermeneutics. In Matthew 26, he goes to a table for Jews. Then he sits at that table. They all had elements. Then he picks up the unliving bread and he said, this is my body. <laughs> Broken for you. He is sitting on a Jewish table. He takes the body. This is my body. Broken for you. He's talking about a future event. With a past related ceremony. He's using a past related ceremony to speak about a future event. Then he says, my blood shed for the remission of sins for many. That right dinner that he was holding there was not the blood shed. This is my blood shed. He took that cup. This is you know that the cup and everything in it was not the blood. And as at that time the blood was not shed. So, he is talking about a future event using a past related ceremony. He is reworking their thinking. He is retooling their thinking. Remission of sins for many. Ah! Remission of sins for many. Now, imagine how many things he had to do to be many things they were doing. We are because of the hardness of their hearts. An activity in the future was used as a symbol. <laughs> Yet he symbolized what was now made real. He symbolized what was now made real and the activity disbelieved. There are many things like that. So Jesus used the Exodus narrative when he now said, I will not drink it with you until that day in my father's kingdom. Until the exodus. Until you are out of Egypt. <laughs> until the exodus. Until you are out of Egypt. Until there is that deliverance. Then there is a drinking of that blood. Which is eternal life. <laughs> Are you getting this now? What is he doing? Repentance. 
He is changing their thinking from eating and drinking. Don't forget, Moses' difficulty was lack of a better word. Moses' difficulty was the hardness of his audience. So we now have to use Christ's vocabulary, which is Paul's vocabulary, to go into Moses. Then we now say, ah, this is what Moses meant. This is what Moses meant. This is what Moses meant. They will remain stories if there is no Christ's explanation. It is Christ's explanation that will move them from stories to revelation. But the moment you understand the gospel, those things become a representation. The moment you understand the gospel, those things becomes a representation. Glory to God. Glory to God. Say with me, I receive the gospel. I believe the gospel. I understand the gospel. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Are you blessed tonight? Get on your feet. Glory to God. So we are reworking our thinking concerning the scriptures. And light is shining in the house. If you are catching the light, shout light. That's right. Turn to your neighbor say, hey neighbor. This is the year. We are sold out. We are being equipped. We are being prepared for the assignment. There's a lot of work ahead of us. So let's eat. Tell your neighbor, eat, eat, eat. For the journey. Tell your neighbor, eat, 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 eat. The journey is far. Eat all you can eat now. For the journey. And Elijah ate and went in the strong strength of that meat for 40 days. Even unto Horeb, the mount of God. When there was no food, the man was complaining about everything. The moment he ate, there was no more complaint. When you see a leader and a worker complaining, he's hungry. He's hungry. Him and God, they've not been in fellowship. When you see a worker in the church, a leader in the house of God, complaining, something is wrong with his relationship with God. When you see a leader in the house of God, full of excuses, his relationship with God, eh, has a problem. Because if you are eating daily, and feasting in God's presence and word, you will have strength. There will be no complaint. There will be no excuse. And your priorities will be right. You will know that it is God first. Did you hear what I said? You will know what? That it is God first. You can't make God last. It's God first. Your priorities will be in order. So that's why as the year is beginning, we sit down to feast. See, I hear you. Yeah, we feast for the journey. So turn to your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, you are gathering strength for work. This is the year to work. We preach the gospel. We raise disciples. We establish strong local churches. I didn't hear a good amen. Lift your hands. Let's give him thanks. Open your mouth. Let's give him thanks. Thank him for revelation. Thank him for insight. Thank him for his word that daily loads us, equips us, prepares us, builds us up, empowers us.
Engelene moso kolo do bobre rakoto bingala na mamba engelene moso kolo do bobro godoso kelere babaya rakoso pira katanaka kalere boboshe keleba ela masota i like you to look for somebody far from where you're standing walk look for somebody deliberately walk go and look for somebody minister to that person let's take another two three minutes and minister to one another tonight speak over that person speak to his ministry speak to his life speak to our life give them a word of knowledge give them a prophecy give them a word of wisdom and get sokato begalita bababa rekatomba rakadoze kela engarada zakelere babo shakatane katelaya engelena mangalita barakatomera katana kalaya minister to one another tonight let's minister to one another you fulfill the call of God you fulfill the mandate of God you fulfill the purpose of God you walk worthy of the Lord unto all places you're fruitful unto every good work you speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs we edify one another by that which every joint supplied by that which every joint supplied let's supply to one another let's supply to one another supply ministry you can leave that neighbor look for somebody else and pray over that person this year you're healthy in your body you're healthy in your bones you're healthy in your heart you're healthy in your blood you're healthy in your organs you're healthy in your heart you're healthy in your liver you're healthy in your digestive system respiratory system all the systems in your body your body submits to the will of god you're bought with a price therefore you glorify god in your body and in your spirit which are gods you walk in the light you have no occasion of stumbling you walk in the light you have no occasion of stumbling you walk in the light you have no occasion of stumbling you're strengthened with might you're far from oppression you're establishing righteousness minister to one another Helish 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 and ayayayayaya roshakento ko supia tatata supia supia agedade shekelene mosataya no feeble among us 
no feeble among us. He brought them out to silver and gold. And there was no feeble among their tribes. No feeble among us. You're strengthened with might. You shall not be distracted. You shall not be distracted. You shall hear a voice saying, That is the way walking it. Leave your neighbor and prophesy over your own self now. Prophesy over your own self. Speak to yourself. Speak to yourself. Leonona, speak to yourself. Declare God's word over yourself. Declare God's word over your ministry. Declare God's word over your ministry. I walk worthy of the Lord. I fulfill the mandate. I am filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I am filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. I am fruitful. I am God sufficient. I I have sufficiency in all things. I abound unto every good work. I put on the whole armor of God. I wear my armor. I am establishing righteousness. I am far from oppression. He reproved kings for their sake. He suffered no man to do them wrong. Saying, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Have you not heard that the everlasting God does not get tired. The everlasting God does not get weary. For even the youths shall faint and utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I am set over nations and over kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to overthrow, to build and to plant. Go ahead and pray. Hula mamas. Hula mamas. Hula mamas. Bregado zekelele bosaka. Lift your hands and give him praise. Liga do 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 do. Engarata so kaladaba. Before you call, I will answer. While you are here speaking, I will hear you. He that accepts, receive it. He that seeketh, find it. He that knocketh, the door shall be open. Le grata so kaladaba. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. This year will be the best year of your life. You will fulfill the call of God on your life. No distraction for you. You are far from oppression. No confusion for you. No confusion. No trial and error. You will know the precise, exact will and purpose of God for your life. In the name of Jesus. And I decree that you have the supply. Steady supply. Daily supply. Hourly supply. Minute by minute supply. Second by second supply of the Spirit of God. In the name of Jesus. You will stretch forth your hands to heal. 
you will open your mouth and speak with boldness in the name of jesus father we rejoice and we thank you for answered prayer in jesus precious name and every believer says that amen with a celebration with a celebration with a celebration with a celebration glory amen it's getting better by the day right glory to god i want to thank all of you online on television kingdom life network radio wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice and the citizens all over the world those of you that have volunteered and made yourselves available this year as co-laborers with god in partnering with us to get this gospel to the ends of the earth I'm sure by now you've received my invitations to the WhatsApp group. If not, you will get it tonight or tomorrow. But those of you that have received, make sure you respond so we know you know that we are connected. Because it's very important. But it's a joy to have all of you partnering with us. We have much, 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 much more to do this year. Amen? The more partners, the more impact. See, I hear you. Yeah, the more partners, the more impact. Remember, somebody partnered with us for you to hear what you heard. And if you also partner with us, more people will hear. Thank you for your partnership. And those that are here to respond, as the Spirit of God tears you up and gives you direction and instruction, make sure you reach out. Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com And don't forget the one-time commitment that we are making to redeem by the end of this month. Don't forget that because that helps us to set the operational base for the rest of the year. And I want to thank those of you that have willingly volunteered to sacrificially commit your resources to this noble cause. Great grace is upon you. My God supplies all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name. Grab your honor offerings. Let's give us to get ready to go tonight. Praise God. Oh, glory to God. Tomorrow we're back 5.30 and teaching begins 6 on the dot. It's getting better every day. Praise God. Father, we rejoice tonight. We give in faith. We give with joy. Our hearts are filled with gratitude. Our offerings are a sweet smell before you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Anywhere on the pulpit to drop your offerings. Everybody else, the banking details are on the screen. If you're giving online, the, the details are on the screen. And we're going to give it another 30 seconds before they sign you off. But we love you guys online, wherever you're watching. We look forward to connecting with everybody tomorrow. Make sure to bring a lot of your friends online tomorrow as we keep feasting in the word of his grace. Be blessed. Amen. Anywhere on the pulpit, drop your offerings and smile tonight. We trust that you have been blessed by this message. To order the complete series of this message and all the messages by Dr. Abel Daminer, please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com. 